welcome to Behind the Sofa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Behind the Sofa, where we review the top 100 horror movies of all time. My name's Ollie. And I'm Kirsty. Um, I'm getting a bit sick of it now. Sick of what? Ben, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Being stuck inside. I'm not. Uh, nor- I'm not normally a social butterfly or anything like that. But um, just not been able to go outside at all. It's, uh, it's getting me down. Yeah. The the point of this is that if we stay inside, then I this know, will be over a lot I quicker. Know. All that good stuff. So please stay inside and listen to our podcast. One Yay. good thing that's come of this, I've started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Nerd. Which is uh, a lifelong goal of mine, so uh, <laughs> you'll be getting frequent updates about my gnome character. So, uh, so there you go. Good, <laughs> great, great. That's what everyone is tuning in for. I was gonna say, it's this good. is gonna slowly. I'm gonna slowly morph it into a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Please don't. So Please don't. subtle, you won't even yeah. notice. Um, right, what are we talking about this week then? This week is number 69 on our top 100. Uh, this is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which came out in 1920, uh, directed by Robert Viner. Um, v- v- Wiener? It's, v- not, it's not Wiener. Okay. Shame. <laughs> I'm remembering like Real my shame. I'm remembering like my German uh, my German secondary school uh, education that if you have two vowels in a row, I believe that you pronounce the second one. So it is Viner. Okay. Um, first things first, though, before we start getting into this into this film and and everything else, I would highly highly recommend because this is going to be completely filled with spoilers. Highly highly recommend that you go to tinyurl.com/slash/watchthecabinet and you can see the trailer and the entire full film for free on us so hopefully you'll be able to get on that um get really really into it and then come and give us a listen so if you need to pause go and have a look so tinyurl.com slash watch the cabinet or one word um and uh yeah please come and let us know what you think after you've listened to the review and you don't even have to feel bad about it because it's not even uh, it's one of those like deals where it's so old that yeah. they just like put it up for you know yeah. It's kind of like public domain, like yeah. uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, but, but this this quite. movie is literally a hundred years old this year, and it is the oldest uh, horror film that we have on the list. And I think hopefully, like if you've watched it or if you're going to watch it, then you'll agree with us that, like, in comparison to some of the older films that we've had on this, where we felt like it was more like a foundation for what was to come after it, that this film is like truly, you know. Without, a true horror film. Yeah, it's one of the one of the first ever horror films. They had sort of um, macabre, uh, you know, things going on in films prior to this, but this was like what is considered by a lot of people to be one of the first, or if if not the first, true horror film. Well, let's think about like what it is that this film introduced to, like the horror, mm. the horror genre. Mm-hmm. So any time that like a, I guess like a horror movie does something slightly surreal, um, slightly kind of like wonky. Yeah. Off key, I'd say it's pretty much traces its uh, like heritage back to this movie. Yeah, it just puts you puts you slightly at unease. So if you've watched anything like we talked about with It Follows, which is you know like came out in 2014, and it's still you know using that same kind of thing where things are just slightly off. They're not how they would be in the in the real world. In this um, particular movie, like if you've seen it, if you've seen any of the artwork for it or anything like that, 
you'll know that it is completely off like way yeah. off but it just works so well i'd say um anything with like a subtext as well where like horror yes. movie horror movies are always good for uh, you know, like a hidden. It's about a, a werewolf, but really, it's about man's, mm, you know, innate, mm-hmm. nat- carnal desire, things like that. The, I'd say that this has got to be one of the, if the, if not the first, like one of the very, very earliest examples of, um, you know, a horror movie where it's got like a, a second meaning. Yeah, I mean, it was it was written by uh, Karl Meyer and Hans Janowitz, who were like two um, pacifists. So this was like post only a couple of years after World War One. So Germany was obviously feeling like the great effects of, uh, of of what was happening, and it's kind of reflected in like you'll you'll learn a little bit more about like the the story. And it's reflected in a lot of the ways that some of the um, characters, um, just the way that they live, the mm. way that they talk, the questions that they ask, and things like that. And um, Karl Meyer himself, he because of him being a pacifist he feigned madness to get out of service which put him through lots of really intrusive and intensive psychological testing to find out whether he was actually mad or not or whether he was pretending um uh, that led to him having like this massive distrust of authority and doctors and things like that and they think that's what sort of like molded the the um the the image of of caligari and the director Mm. in this film um and hans janowitz his idea for the story came from going to a carnival himself this is set in a sort of carnival there's a fair that's come to town and all of these horrible things start happening after um and he went to a carnival and saw a creepy man like lurking around in the shadows and you know didn't think much of it and went home and then he found afterwards that a young girl had been murdered at the carnival Mm. went to the funeral because they lived in this small town everybody knew everybody he went to the funeral and saw the same creepy man just like lurking around at the funeral um has absolutely no proof whether he was like involved in it in any way or anything like that it just happened to be like a weird looking guy but he kind of fleshed the whole idea around this creepy guy at the carnival yeah which is a really like unnerving thought so um some some somnambulist somnambulist yes somnambulist yes i've got it yeah got it in one so somnambulist is a sleepwalker okay Um, i like it it's a good uh yeah somnambulism yeah yeah. it's a thing i'm gonna bust that one out you're somnambulist it's getting the word out jeez somnambulist somnambulist okay there we go so yeah so essentially you've got um the the story itself you have the main story uh and it's told through a flashback of the main character whose name is francis um and you see him at the beginning and he's like well we you know myself and my fiance who you see floating by in mm. a dreamy state i was like oh, and it was right after they started talking about spirits being all around them and i was like is she meant to be a spirit well i don't understand and then it got kind of explained but it's but, framed yeah at beginning and end by this you know uh i am telling you this story and that then becomes the main story mm. and that wasn't actually how they originally wrote it that was put in by the director yeah because i heard that as well that um obviously spoilers spoilers mm. spoilers, spoilers at the end the the twist that um, Caligari is actually just a, is the director of the of the hospital and Francis is a patient at the hospital. I heard that they had that like idea was like forced upon them. Yep. 
which is um, and normally when you hear about these ideas like being forced on directors and being forced mm. on writers, they're always they always kind of suck. Yeah. Um, this I thought was fantastic though. Yeah. I thought it was yeah, really yeah. good, really clever. You know, I'm living a hundred years later. I didn't see that ending coming. No. I thought it was going to be um, like Kirsty was saying before. I thought it was going to be to do with the. Um, uh, to do with the fact they were talking about spirits at the mm. beginning, I thought it was just going to be like, and it turns out she's a spirit as well. Ooh. You know what I mean? I thought it was going to be something along those kind, no, of, kind I... of lines, but no, I didn't didn't see it coming. Just like testament no, to what an original and kind of uh, what a great idea it is. Yeah, I mean the um, the frame the frame was meant to be uh, and the twist. Uh, was meant to be kind of taking away from the, or like moving away from the, uh, well, the authority figures are the real madmen in this situation. And mm. like Caligari slash the director is like the the tyrant of Germany. And it was like foreshadowing the, um, you know, like the, the coming of Hitler in like the next like 20 years or so. Um, in that Germany was kind of not a... Um, it wasn't it wasn't like floating you know like aimlessly or anything like that but they really you know like they they were very strict on authority um and they had a lot of people where it was um kind of uh, i can't really explain it it was yeah caligari was meant to be like the you know like the tyrant dictator authority figure who then um passed on his his wishes and dreams and orders onto Caesar, who's the somnambulist, who is like the mindless soldier yeah. puppet, just doing his master's bidding. Mm. Um, and so, when you've yeah. got a country that's just come out of war, and, yeah. do you know what I mean? You've got disillusioned people. Yeah, exactly. Disillusioned <laughs> people who are, are feeling like they, why were they involved in this war yeah. that had no real effect on them? Yeah. Um, it's pretty, you know, to see the parallels between this and the, uh, between what was going on in real life and what's going on in this movie is pretty yeah. uh, I mean, easy to see. But... I mean, it was such an, uh, like, just this, um, like, extension, um, is it extensionist? Ex- expressionist? No, not expressionist. I know it's German expressionism, but um, um, ex- existentialist. Existentialist. So, like, questioning life. Yeah. Um, and the and the meaning of it. And it's really, really brought up in, um, you know, they um You've got Francis, the main character, his good his good buddy Alan, who ends up being murdered. Poor Alan. Um, and uh, Alan is super excited about going to the fair. That was one bit that really got to me. He was just like really like grabbing onto him, like <laughs> let's go to the fair. It's like a fully grown man, like fully excited, like a child. So they go to the fair. Um, Caligari's there, and he's uh, you know getting people in to see Caesar the somnambulist, and they come in, and he's like you know. He knows all the secrets. He can. He knows the past, and he can see into the future. And the one question that Alan asks is, uh, "How long will I live?" And that back then would have been. I mean, even now, obviously, with all the stuff that's going on right now, there's a lot of people who are questioning that and asking, you know, like we're going to survive what's going on in the world right now. But back then, in a post-war, you know, like people were thinking that all the way through the war. You know, am I going to wake up today? Am I going to be killed today? Mm. You know, and all of that. So it was a question that was hanging really heavily over this part of the world at that at that particular time. And so that question is so heavy and so weighted, not yeah. just for the character, but for everybody watching. Um, I feel like we haven't really spoken about the look of the movie, oh which has got to be, which has got to be like when you talk about Doctor Ca- the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari, it's got to mm. be one of the most obvious one of the most kind of uh, yeah. 
the famous things about it, like the, the look, this, these uh, like 2D designed sets oh, with these weird so... like oblique angles and weird curves and right angles where there shouldn't be right yeah. angles. Absolutely And then, incredible. you know, they, it looks like they paint shadows like onto the sets. Like they it's do. not just like, uh, like naturally falling because of the light. They've got yeah. these like really cool, um, like really stylized looking sets uh, that just kind of like reflect the madness that the, the characters are yes. experiencing. You know what I mean? You've got to imagine that this is the, the, the sets that we're seeing in the movie are like a reflection of, uh, of Francis's like fractured state of mind. And his memories of Which it. is another thing that you've got to think that this is the first time this would have been yeah. on screen. Something like this where it's like not just, you know, we've seen The Unknown and all those and a couple other like earlier movies where the sets are sets you know what I mean like it's just they try and make it look exactly true to life whereas this that's not what they're going for they're trying to go for something with like a deeper meaning something with a bit of a twist on it and you know it just they just look so incredible like if you think of like real iconic movie scenes the scene where Caesar's running away from the mob Mm. With um, uh, with the the woman in his arms, and they runs over the you know he runs like up a weird yeah. curved mountainside. I have no idea how they did and that. And then and then and then over that weird jagged bridge. I was like, this looks fantastic. It does, even in hundred years later. Yeah, this is why I was saying to to anyone who's interested in this, anyone who's interested to see like origins of horror films, please please go and watch it. So that URL again is tinyurl.com slash watch the cabinet. And you can check it out all for yourself. But um, there are people who think that because of it being, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, it's one of the sort of um, uh, like an early example of, uh, example of German expressionism as like an art form. And there are people who are like, well, it's not actually German expressionism. It's just got some elements of it. Um, and it was a lot of the decisions that they made around that was the fact that like things like electricity were rationed back then. So you only had a certain amount of electricity that you would be able to use in a day if you had access to it. Mm. So a lot of the um, backdrops and the sets and things like that, utterly incredible. Um, they were painted onto paper and the light beams and shadows falling like long, tall shadows and things like that were um, painted onto the paper because there would be certain times where they wouldn't be able to film or use lighting or things like that like yeah. while they were filming. Um, but, I mean, one bit that struck me, like, that, that um, really made me think about, like, how it felt is that this is everywhere. Like, the sets are absolutely everywhere. I think the only time that you don't really see it is in, what, is in like, the very, very first scene where it's just a path and which, a bench and it all looks fairly normal. Which I think, like ties direct like pretty nicely into what we were saying about you know the twist the twist at the end mm. like when we first see francis and he's talking to this old guy on the bench and you know his fiance walks past um at this stage we're still thinking francis is a normal dude mm-hmm. and we're gonna believe you know we we don't get any hint of like an unreliable narrator mm. when he's uh when he's telling his story it's only at the end when we see him in in the asylum and the asylum's also kind of normal inside mm. like not inside like the courtyard bit where they are and his cell are all still yeah. like the way they were in his in his memory which exactly. again raises the questions about whether this is the world that they live in but it's the fact that so much of the set is um 
long corridors, um, streets with very tall buildings, um, weird angles like the fair and everything like that as well is all just slightly off kilter. But it feels very claustrophobic, but it also feels very much like there is, you know, like well, obviously because it feels claustrophobic, but um, that there's literally no escape from this mad yeah. world like you have no way of doing it um and before i really sort of like you know i read up a bit about like there's so many ways that people have like deciphered it and like um figured out what these different things mean but even things like like talking about the authority aspects which i think is probably my my take on mm. like what it really meant um, is things like the town clerk, like when uh, when Caligari goes in to get his permit so that he can uh, have his have his tent at the fair, and the clerk kind of dismisses him, but he like gets off this incredibly high, really inappropriate for working on <laughs> kind of stool and desk. But it's that figures of authority looking down on the common man kind yeah. of feeling, and but you know you could view it just as like a really bizarre way of you know just presenting a film yeah um but Janowitz has said uh and he hasn't really been able to he wasn't really able been able to answer it was do you think it would still have had the amount of impact if it wasn't so transgressive and weird like with regard to the sets if it was literally a in the same kind of set as the unknown which is another one set at a carnival um would it still have that same impact to you would you be rating it as highly as you are now if it didn't have those incredible sets no i don't think so i think there you know like i said there's definitely aspects of it that are that are really progressive and you know like i said twist ending but even then that was something that they didn't they, come they up protested. with themselves they yeah, had exactly. to be persuaded to be so to not protest when you look at it. the actual like plot mm. of it um i feel like it's would would be similar to you know novels and stories and things like that that were around back then. I think it's the way that it's presented which really kind of sets it apart mm. um, from from other movies and other stories of the time. Like to see something like that on screen would be like for the first time would be so bizarre. Yeah. Um, especially when you're dealing with what is you know a, a media that's still kind of like in its infancy. Still really. early in the film yeah, industry, God, yeah. definitely. But. Um, interesting something that i found and i was like wow i i wonder whether it would have been i wonder whether it would have been that much different that before they um before they approached uh robert viner to do it they were considering fritz lang okay which i can see because yeah, fritz lang was like expressionist metropolis yeah um, all absolutely those kind of movies. and he uh he decided to go for the spiders which came out in 1919 i haven't seen it uh -huh. but um the fact that like um he's he's kind of been called like fritz lang's been called like the master of darkness so like yeah. his twist on this would have been a very very interesting thing to see i think yeah but, um what about in terms of just like we i feel like we've spoken about it really in a kind of film theory like i said <laughs> i've been definitely uh dusting off my mortarboard for my film for my film <laughs> studies uh degree <coughs> what about in terms of a movie mm. to watch and enjoy because mm. I feel like horror movies that's why they're my favourite kind of movies mm. because you can analyse you can view them in two ways you could either sit down and stroke your chin and look <laughs> over the top of your glasses and <laughs> nod or you can be like you know clutching gripping the arm of the sofa get the like, adrenaline going shit, yeah. like hiding behind a pillow yeah. that's why horror movies are the best 
Um, does it stand up for you in terms of like a movie spectacle? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Like, I mean, the fact that like I keep telling you guys to go and watch this film because <laughs> I feel like it is really important. Um, it's like you said you know the fact that like we didn't know where it was going and it wasn't like in a you know like we've had with several films already on the list where we're just like i don't know where this is going and i don't care or mm. i don't know where this is going because the director has literally no clue where it's going and it's no. got no like real like yeah, yeah. anchor to it this really had i mean you know like you felt for the characters you didn't feel like you could trust any of them they had this mystery that was running all through it there was a love story but it was you know kind of um tragic yeah, yeah like a tragic heartbreaking love story the music over the top the fact that the caption cards themselves are like works yeah. of art like the lettering and everything is just so beautiful compared to some of the ones we've seen before it's literally you know like print on screen this is like artwork and it's it's just so stunning talking of um of words one of my favorite scenes in it was uh when we learn about uh Dr. Caligari and mm. how it was that he came to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the manuscript that they find in the inside the asylum. You must become Caligari. Yeah, that was fantastic. Like having those words pop up on the screen, like in different, um, you know, different locations, like really mm. kind of like a visual representation of a man plagued and a man it's going hallucinations, insane. Yeah. I was like, that was fantastic. I thought it yeah. was great. Well, they did it before, um, before the film came out because obviously they didn't have, you know, like the internet. They didn't have, you know, like... Um, people who were that interested in like what film directors and stuff were doing at that time because it was such an early young new thing you know like when films came out they just came mm. out yeah and that was it you know um but for this they uh around berlin at the time like a few weeks before the film premiered they uh were putting up posters that just said you must become caligari with no information about what that meant uh, no, you know, coming soon to a theatre near you sort yeah. of thing. It was just literally posters that just said, you must become Caligari. <laughs> so imagine, like, people are like, what? Yeah. Like, it's you like, know, they had no like reference. Clo- Cloverfield. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like this weird, like, viral marketing thing that they did, like, back in the day that just didn't really it. have any context to it, which I kind of love. But... Um, just to answer my own question, mm. I, 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 I totally agree with you, though. Mm. Like, I could sit there and analyse and, you know, come up with different theories and read up on it. But at the end of the day, I still just watched it as a movie and enjoyed it. Mm. Um, I didn't I, see you writing down much. And I wasn't no, sure. I was... I, with a film like this, I find it hard to, like... I didn't want to write loads down. I felt like I just wanted to enjoy it for the first... Because this is the first time I've seen it as well. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of like sit back and enjoy it. I've, You know, when I write a lot of stuff down, normally it's like plot or like stupid jokes or something, you know what I mean, <laughs> whatever. But at the same time, this one, I just thought, I'm just going to sit back and kind of experience this. Mm. Um, and I loved it. You know what That's I mean? Good. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um, the thing that the thing that really elevates it for me is just the striking how striking the visuals are mm. you know what i mean when you first um get to see uh dr caligari with his weird like stovepipe hat on <sighs> like coming down the that weirdly angled alleyway uh and when you get to see um i think i still think my favorite scene is when he uh is when caesar goes to the to the woman's bedroom and then is chased away by the by the angry mob for me 
that's got to be the best the yeah. best scene in the whole thing but it was very much like uh like Nosferatu that came like sort of seven like seven years after this which we will be reviewing as well so I'm very excited about that but it's the whole you know like creeping into the chamber it wasn't even that though it was the fact that like every scene every set was slightly different you had the wonky angles of the windows and the floors and the you know sweeping staircases and the painted shadows and everything like that if you went into jane which is the woman that um alan and alan francis are kind of like kind uh, you know like good-naturedly kind of like vying for her affections and everything um you go into her house and francis is is there and going into her house her bedroom and her living room are the only ones that do not have those angles everything's round and soft and there's flowers and it's very drapey you know there's lots of drapey materials and things like that and it's like this like that's his safe space Mm. which it really was because you know when they when you see him at the end and he's in the asylum like he his face lights up when he sees her and he loves her and he wants to marry her and she's the only thing that's good in his life and so when he is remembering if this is meant to be like in his memory the set changes because of how he's feeling about like so he's got the scary outside world if he's locked away in an asylum the outside world is going to be scary as well as the inside just being all fractured and broken like his mind but being with her is the one thing that makes sense to him so Mm. everything is soft and gentle and and i loved that like it's you know just really played on on his mind like i said i think just in terms of the importance of of a movie this has got to be one of the first times where the visuals and uh, elements of the story kind of there's something beneath the surface mm. to them. They have a meaning, yeah. Um, which I think is why it's kind of so important, yeah. really. But the two the two characters that like obviously really um, stick in your mind in this is Caligari and, and Caesar Caesar. Um, now you say that mm. Caligari definitely mm. Caesar. He didn't have that iconic... I guess it's kind of like... When you compare him to something like Nosferatu or Mm. Frankenstein, Mm. he doesn't have that same vision... He doesn't have that same look to him, that same iconic look to him. Because at the end of the day, it is just kind of like a skinny dude with black heavy black makeup under his eyes yeah whereas i think caligari for me was like the real scary one Mm. in this um caesar was almost you know like a tragic figure because he didn't even know what he was doing yeah he said he's sleepwalking through like the like the german people of the time (laughs) you know what i mean that this is this is the 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 film analysis side coming out Mm -hmm. but for me um in terms of like creating like a really um memorable yeah memorable villain they did that they did that because they had caligari Mm. they didn't do it twice though which is maybe what they were setting out to do i don't i don't really think i view him as like dr frankenstein and the creature yeah you know like but but, yeah but the creature was still (laughs) you know what i mean the creature was iconic Mm. in and of itself But had, I mean, a, on the... had a look to him that was very, very, very distinct. Yeah. And of, in a movie where the visuals are so important and so groundbreaking and strange and mm. surreal, mm-hmm. he was the one element of it that didn't quite have that same impact. Okay. But with the exception of uh, Jane, um, where she has, you know, like quite heavy eye makeup and stuff to sort of signify her, like, sadness i think she had this like air of like melancholy about her and stuff um 
Caligari and, and Caesar are the only two who are wearing that really heavy makeup that's in the lines around their mouths and like brow and yeah. you know and everything like that. I think the only other one that they have is like the copycat um, murderer yeah, yeah. guy who like is using the opportunity if they're being the string of murders to commit a murder of his own and push the blame onto this you know the mysterious murder murderer guy and he has a certain amount of like dark makeup around his eyes and his beard and you know and everything like that but apart from that the only ones who look really like caricature like and and surreal are Caligari and, and Caesar yeah no, I know I totally get so that and get... understand that but but I'm, what I'm saying is if you're going to have two characters who mm. are both caricatures and have heavy makeup and weirdness you want both of them to look you know yeah. really stand out mm. whereas I felt like the only like Caligari I thought looked great um, you know the actor portraying him um, was fantastic but I don't feel like uh, Caesar had that same kind of like level of detail put into mm. his costuming or his well, you know he was just a very weird character because he was very much like um, I, I looked up like um, Conrad Veidt was the guy who played uh, Caesar and I looked him up to see whether um, he did actually uh, like study ballet or not he was into theatre but not specifically ballet but he he held, he holds himself very much like dancerly kind of yeah he has like a yeah, yeah. and he's just very very thin and, and creepy kind of creepy looking um but like you said, you know, he's very, um, uh, he's not as iconic, yeah. even though he figures on, he figures quite prominently on like the artwork, the poster work and things like that. It's like him and Jane, like after he's, um, dropped her when he, when yeah. he runs off and kidnaps her. Uh, it was the one bit that I was thinking, I was just like, he's pretty strong for a guy who's been sleeping for yeah. like 20 something years. He wakes years. up a lot for a guy who's been sleeping <laughs> for 23 years as well. I was like, he's up and down like a bloody yo-yo. Yeah. Um, uh, what about the music? Well, just one thing before we leave, like the the look of Caligari. Mm. Mm. I think it's kind of like speaks testament to um, how iconic a character he is mm. in the fact that um, he's very similar, or a lot of influence has been taken from uh, from him for another movie that's been on our list, which is uh, the Babadook. Mm. Yes. You know I mean, like, if you look at the the costuming yeah. of the Babadook, it's basically just Doctor Caligari. Yeah, but then the uh, the hypnotist, which was Lon Chaney, uh, I think it was the hypnotist or a night in London or something like that. Like there was there was another film that came out like uh, after this, mm. which the Babadook was based on. Yeah, the top, the top hat and the cape and the you know it it makes me think of what I think of when I think of what Jack the Ripper was meant to look like. Yeah. But you've got to imagine that that film also took influence from Dr. Caligari in the first place. Hmm. So, yeah, you know what is, I mean? Like I said, is. you get, the thing is, you can just trace the, the, the family tree all the way back to, to, to Dr. Caligari. Yeah, like I was saying before, he is like the quintessential cartoon villain. He's even got Mickey Mouse gloves on. He does. He I love literally that. has With Mickey With those Mouse three gloves. little black lines yeah. on him. I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. But yeah, he's like creepy as hell. And, and it is a testament to uh, Werner Krauss, who played um, Caligari. Um, not actually a very nice man in real life. He was a uh, like Nazi Nazi sympathizer and well known anti semite. So not not a great guy, but um, did a really good job yeah. <laughs> in this in this role. So mm, art back, versus backpedal, 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 yeah, <laughs> art versus artist and all that. But um, 
yeah he he did such a stellar job of like you know the the real like dramatic over the top kind of villain and the final fight scene where he's like finally gone mad and everything Mm. else was amazing um and um but even after that when you go back into the quote-unquote real world where like um francis is the madman and and caligari is just the director of the of the insane asylum you still look at him and you're like you're the bad guy like (laughs) even though now he's not got the makeup on he just looks like a normal kindly old man you know and he's you know like looking after the hospital and everything like that you're still convinced that under it all he is this yeah. crazy madman guy which is a testament to like how well he did his his part and how well it was directed yeah for me it was just yeah um cool have you got any any more you want to uh, you want to say any other interesting yeah. facts um well like i said you know like the, the sort of twist the, not the twist but like you know there's a couple of them really because you know you get you get into um they're chasing Caligari. They discover that like Caesar has been out and killing, and they, you know, like they go and search for him. Caligari runs into the insane asylum, and then they run into you know the director's office or whatever, and he's just sitting there like draped over his stacks of books, which I loved. Mm. Um, and I literally wrote down, "Oh my god, he's the director of the insane asylum." <laughs> and then I was like, "Hang on, is he just sitting in his chair and pretending, or is he hiding out in the office? Like, what's going on?" so you had that twist then you had the francis twist of the frame story and i was just like i have no idea where this is going but i am here for it i am totally (laughs) here for it um it's it's broken into six acts which i quite liked in a theater kind of sense yeah i i quite enjoyed that because it's kind of like a small reset but not in a not in a bad way that it feels disjointed it's just like it just comes up saying end of act end of act one act two and then you go into it and you're like okay so what's going to happen next kind of thing i appreciate it just because of the fact that i love those title cards Mm. they look so good Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know in terms of like does it really matter to the story i'd say probably not yeah i mean six acts why not just have one act not one act but you know what i mean like why even bother advertising it but i did yeah i mean there were other parts of it that i really liked um you'll see it in like a lot of the uh, other films where they were like really learning what they could do so they had the sets and everything like that and then they would have you know like very really slow wipes from one scene to the next so they'd like it would like hone in like the the black would turn yeah, into like a, a dot the and then it would reopen and yeah. everything i really like that i don't know why i don't know whether it felt like it was more like it could have been a nod to the whole like sleeping and awake thing mm. it could have just been what they were trying at the time whether it actually had any like relevance to what they were saying on on the screen or yeah. how it was supposed to make the viewer feel yeah i'd have to go back and see like when it was that they used that technique because mm. i'm sure there's a reason why they chose to use it on some scenes and not others but yeah true um yeah but yeah uh i think like yeah there's there's just so much out there like if you get the chance to to give it a watch let us know what you think go to um behind the sofa podcast on instagram and facebook let us know how you feel there are so many different schools of thought as to like what the meaning was behind it um why they decided to make it um what the different like themes and uh and ideas are behind it and everything like that i just thought i just found it fascinating there's too much to kind of stuff into into one podcast from like two sort of relatively uh like you know you got the film school degree but like we're sort of relatively uh not uneducated uninformed yeah uninformed (laughs) on this kind of thing we can't really like dig into uh like expressionist art and uh and 
you know the the meanings behind like 100 year old films as much as we'd like but it's one that i will definitely be reading more up on um if i find any good books about this particular um this particular part of you know like film history then i'll make sure that i share it and you can go to our horror bookstore that we have on the website and any purchases that you make through that will go back towards running costs for us so uh with a big thank you from us as well um cool i think okay. we, we got a bunch of stuff coming up yeah we've had some ideas of like some different ways to keep us and you amused like during this uh uh, shit show of a, of a year um, we were thinking about doing uh, like a watching party so like a live watching thing so we're going to look into like the um, the like Netflix Netflix yeah, watch party yeah Netflix watch parties or things like that just to kind of like see if there's any way that we can all get together and watch a movie and have like a live commentary or something like that maybe it'll be something new maybe it'll be like an old favourite um, but we'll we'll let you guys know about that. I think in the next couple of weeks we might have um, uh, Charlie back on, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, from a distance, though. Yeah, yeah, from a distance. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I don't want to be in the same room as her uh, most times anyway, so uh, this gives a perfect oh, excuse. Um, um, also, yeah, so we might have some guests on. Um, I think in the next week or two, we had... Uh, we had like a listener recommendation I think now we're going to have a Kirstie and Ollie recommendation so something that we love that's not on the list so I've already got a couple of uh, Mm. of ideas of what I would love to to see on this list things that I know that immediately will go in at like number one number yeah (laughs) number number two number three somewhere around there like just uh, just easing it in but yeah so I think we've got um we'll probably do an episode like that maybe you want to have like one or two episodes a week if we do something like or maybe we'll just put it in the normal rotation yeah and see how it goes yeah so if you're ever stuck for something to do stick an episode on we've got a whole bunch of different ones going on you can go to the website you can go to tinyurl.com slash um behind the sofa vision you can see trailers for all the movies that we've watched so far and if we can find the film online for you to watch then we'll be able to link to it as well um for ones that other people have put up on youtube and we're just providing the the conduit for yeah. you to for you to watch it so um yeah so it'll give you the opportunity to watch something new or find an old favorite or you know something like that just to pass the time while we're all going through this together so yeah if you've got, also if you've still got any recommendations of uh, of movies that you think should be on the list that aren't on the list uh yeah chuck us a dm you know what i mean um mm. or we'll put a post up like a sticky post or something on facebook or yeah i don't know how that shit works these days <laughs> uh but you know just get in contact with us and let us know if you think there's something that should definitely be on the list like a lot of people responded when we uh when we put up the yeah, last post yeah for asking that. for um for recommendations of stuff to watch and there was some stuff on there that i was like i really want to watch that <laughs> so maybe we'll get around to it again in the future you never yeah. know yeah definitely. um cool what is the official number 68 on the list that we will be watching next week though okay that was it came out in 2002 2002 okay directed by danny boyle and it is probably quite appropriate (laughs) or inappropriate depending on how you're feeling about the general state of the world right now so it's 28 days later it is 28 I've days never later seen, I've never seen it okay so I have um, so it's essentially a uh, man wakes up in a hospital everyone has gone the streets are silent and he's trying to work out why and it ends up being a virus that has wiped out a lot of the 
the country and the world and just working out if they can find a cure and figuring out how to survive. So may seem a little bit yeah a little on the nose yeah (laughs) a little bit macabre and a bit nasty to be doing it right now but we haven't planned this this literally is the next film on the list we are continuing we're not going to let this stop us from watching films and putting out reviews and chatting to you guys and everything like that it's not going to stop us from doing it so it won't stop us because otherwise the terrorists win (laughs) and the terrorists i mean covid19 yes you jerk yeah you total jerk um yeah so hoping all of you are well uh come and uh let us know what you think about this one please please check it out and go and give it a uh, a watch if you're interested in seeing some really interesting uh expressionist cinema from 100 years ago i mean <laughs> you know there are critics out there that are still saying this is this film still unnerves them on like the umpteenth watch so you know it still holds up like 100 years later and there's not many films that you can say that about so go and go and check it out um and come and find us on instagram and facebook and give us some recommendations come and have a chat we're really nice mm. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Yeah, uh, so from behind the sofa. Good night. <laughs>